0: Morning, friends, and welcome to episode 14 of the Gamify Everything podcast Beyond the Metaverse. We talk about everything happening beyond the metaverse, from the metaverse itself to blockchain enabled games to play to earn and everything in between. I am your host, Marcus Howard, and today we are joined by Bobby Kunta from Decentralized Events. Welcome to the show, Bobby.
1: So close, so close. Non fungible events. Oh, so close. (laughs) We're putting all the fun back into non-fun. Yeah, yeah.
0: You know, and I had a week to get this right. For those of you who are actually listening to this, who weren't part of the Discord server last week, this is actually a
1: re-recording of
0: episode 14 because I was using Restream and it didn't stream out. So I figured, well, it's got to still be recording. It's just not streaming out. turns out it wasn't recording. So I said, you know what? Let me record as a backup on Zoom, which worked well in theory, except Zoom was only configured to pick up my audio. So like, after I went through it, like it was like me talking three minutes of silence and me talking on and off for like 45
1: minutes. (laughs) We just had so much fun with the last conversation. We wanted to have it again.
2: Yes. We're going to have
0: more fun about our non-fungible events, man. Uh, Thank you for making time again to be on the the re-recording of the episode. And now I have so much more context for our conversation. Can you talk to the audience about non-fungible events?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, about a year ago, uh, Lady Ronvor, who you know is is my wife, is we we um, decided that we were going to host the Axie retreat, and Axie Infinity retreat is Air as the banner behind me for people who are watching the video here is um, is going to be the home of the first ever Axie Infinity World Championship Tournament, where we're bringing in players who qualify in four online qualifying tournaments that are open to everybody in the world. And we're going to fly them to Vegas to battle it out at the HyperX Esports Arena. Um, you know, it's about a year ago, Axie was really starting to, to get gain incredible momentum and everybody was eager for you know, uh, real community events because the community behind the game has been really incredible. So, Now we had the skill sets and the expertise and, you know, we, we put it together. It's actually going to be in May. It's still another almost three months away from now in Vegas. Uh, The second qualifying online tournament, Axiretreat.com is where you can register is going to be this weekend. I think the registration spots are filled up, but out of each of the four qualifying tournaments, two finalists will will emerge. So, you know, you can register for the next ones and we'll fly you to Vegas if you win. Uh, You know, from there, we, we, put together this first event and we were, we knew that we could do this again. You know, we put together a model to host these events. So we started right away planning land event the website for the next one land, we're going from air to land. You might be able to guess where we're going from there, but we're going to ultimately Race. have,
2: go ahead, go <laughs> That's ahead. It.
1: we're going to the moon, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, it's going to ultimately be a, a series of recurring annual events from the non fungible events team. And uh, starting in a couple of months, we're going to be, Hosting events for other companies, you know, like there's a lot of a lot of people in this space that want to host their company's events or their project's events at a conference or a convention. So, you know, we're Web three natives, we're uh, immersive experience cr- you know, creators, and um, you know, we're gonna make ourselves available for other projects uh, starting next quarter.
0: That's awesome, and whether you're doing quarterly events, because I think that's just enough time to get it done and then like have a break. Uh, you know, I I remember I put together a a hybrid event in, in Decentraland. So very similar to what you're doing, uh, last February when the Super Bowl came here to Tampa Bay and like, as it was getting close to the event. So I, I certainly can, can appreciate what, how you must be feeling now. Uh, when that next day it was
1: done, I was like, I don't ever want to do events again. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. These events take about a year to plan. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of moving pieces. So but to yeah. your point, like once you get
0: it done once and especially if you set up a system for it, then it's easier to yep. do them more regularly and, and you know, just logistics is just less stressful.
1: Yep, that's it. I well, every event is gonna be very unique. It's you know, rare, one-to-one. We like we called it non-fungible events, not just because we focus on the web three space, but because you know, literally every every event, every experience we say is gonna be unique and and crafted for uh, the uh the the occasion so yeah well
0: that's even more impressive uh than than i already thought it was i thought you were going to do the same four tournaments every year but if you're talking about like one of ones every quarter then more power to you wow
1: that's it we just hired 13 experienced architects and imagineers from across north america this week and uh we're ready to, to kick some butt
0: and I'm sharing for those of you who are watching the video, and, and I'm going to explain it to those of you who are listening on, on the podcast, uh, This we were just looking at, at air, and now we're looking at land here. Both of those, if you confirm for me, will be in Las Vegas, Is
1: that correct? That's correct. Yep, yep. We've got world, <clears throat> world-class venues, uh, the Luxor and the HyperX Esports Arena. Um, both of them take um, play to earn and put it at the forefront. It's obvious. That's pretty obvious with Axie Infinity that play to earns at the forefront. With Land, you know, the twist is uh, metaverse builders, developers, explorers, um, but with the play to earn edge on it, you know. So there's the the at the forefront of the people, the the projects that are settling in the metaverse and building homes for ourselves there is, is a lot of gaming. So we're, you know, we're putting that to the front. There's going to be mini tournaments and game demos, some alpha leaks from game studios. Our first major sponsor for Land is the Sandbox. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've got an open call there on the website to bring in more sponsors and speakers, exhibitors. Um, We're going to start here in the next few weeks reaching out to the, the folks in the industry. We're most excited about being part of this and inviting them and yeah, we're, we're really pumped. You know, like the Part of this is going to be bridging the metaverse with reality. So uh, <clears throat> for the Axie Infinity re- event in May, axieretreat.com, we're going to have some satellite events, one down in Portugal, at, at least. And um, I'm sorry, Portugal. I meant to say Brazil. I'm thinking in Portuguese, but yeah. <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll have a satellite event in Brazil that will be live and connected with cameras and monitors. We'll also have a a VIP pre-party, we're hosting with Yield Guild Games in Decentraland. Um, and for land, it should be much more directly connected to to metaverse activities. So while the land landevent.live is, is taking place, there'll be um, simultaneous events happening th- in different virtual worlds. In the okay, sandbox, in Decentraland, and do you, elsewhere. Do you have the dates for the land event? Not, yeah, yet. No, not, not yet. i not announced yet. Okay? Uh, yep. I'm saying October, November, stay tuned. We'll nail down a date within the next few weeks.
0: Okay, I'm going to selfishly request that we have a satellite event here in Tampa Bay, if, if that's not too much to ask for. And or um, your next, whatever your next, if it's sea or, or beach, right, then you actually, you have to come to Tampa Bay for that. Either one of those, you have to come to Tampa Bay.
1: It sounds like you're to something there with the third annually recurring event. There's some
0: alpha for you. Yeah. <laughs>
1: um, yeah. There's there, there, will be some water involved and some water uh, also, involved. I'll say this, whatever, um, you know, when it comes to these satellite events, this sister, these, uh, participation parties, we want to call them. Uh, if you're up for hosting something there and we would encourage and invite you to do it, uh, it's not on the website yet, but you know there will be an application for participation parties as well in the months ahead, and that will be for experienced organizers or event planners or people with the resources and experience to pull off something that can be a successful satellite event. Would be the ones that would be, uh, you know, I guess, approved would be the word to, to host a, a participation party.
0: All right, all right. Well, we can have that conversation offline, but. Definitely. It's intriguing. And I know that there are a lot of people here in Tampa Bay. would love to see that. Celsius is here. I don't know if you know that. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so talk to me a little bit more about uh, how you got into the space. And we covered this before, but it's, it's an intriguing story. And I think everybody would
1: appreciate it. I am. Um, sure. I'm trying to think back of uh, to, to what element of this <clears throat> of the story was most. Uh, like how, how did
0: you how did you get into crypto? Because you, you told me that I think you recently left your full-time job.
1: Okay, so sure. Uh, you know, I started buying uh, Ethereum, I guess. So I was actually living in my van about two years ago, um, like the height of the pandemic. and you know, Everybody was kind of freaking out and started buying Ethereum, got into to crypto like that. And um you know, it just, it kind of took over. I've been a gamer my whole life and and into community building Um, for a long time. I've been into hosting events since I'm 13. And so uh, all of these kind of just coalesced together in this space. Um, You know, once when we had, we being Lady Ronvor and I had, had gotten on fun started, um, we were both also working as full-time uh, crop care consultants. We're both trained botanists. Uh, I, I taught at university for a while in plant science, and I consulted with uh, cannabis, leafy greens, and floriculture operations all around the world. That's dope, uh, by the way. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, and and I mean... No pun no no intended. It's a big, <laughs> scary... <laughs> it's a big, scary transition I mean, to go to, to really commit yourself to to uh, a space that is so nascent and, and young and volatile. And uh, another part of that was just committing to ourselves. Like we can make this, we have to bet on ourselves. You know, I'm almost 40 years old and uh, you know, I've started a successful business before this one and sold it and I knew we could do it. Uh, and at that point I was working for somebody else and I wanted to do my own thing again. So uh, you know, I, to anybody who's listening, let the, the takeaway be bet on yourself. <laughs> you know, there's not enough entrepreneurs out there to match all of the entrepreneurial spirit that exists. Uh, and we need more innovation. We need that creativity that people have. And uh, I don't I think people are deterred from it. You know, uh, maybe that's all changing with this, you know, this great. Uh, what do they call it? The great resignation or whatever. Great resignation. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, I guess I was a part of that as well. And, yeah. and I'll, I will uh, toast the glass of water to you also almost Bruce. 40 Thirty six to turn thirty six back in January, uh, so I, I I can appreciate what what it takes to make that decision to have the uh, I don't know, I guess confidence that that you you can do this and you you've done that before and I've been on an entrepreneurship journey now fifteen years uh, well, I was just finally able to say like I, I need to do this like the time wasn't going to get any better and the time wasn't great right like I'm still technically trying to to move some money around to pay rent in seven days. Sure. Uh, so, contract work has been an adventure and of it. So, but uh, it, you know, it, it, I needed to because I wasn't going to have that opportunity again. Yep. And I think you did that at a great time too, because if it was especially right at the beginning of the pandemic, coincidentally, what was it? Bitcoin had dropped to like thirty five hundred dollars a piece. Well, what did what did Ethereum drop down to? Five hundred, six hundred bucks.
1: Yeah, I I, the, I bought Ethereum at 400. I, I mean, at this point, I look back and I'm like, shit. I wish I was bullish enough to just like spend all the money I had on Ethereum at that point. Man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, at this point, I'm you know definitely not a not a whale. I'm not uh you know not You're comfortable. You're yeah,
2: comfortable.
1: but uh, you know, I think what it's more is like. I, I see. I see light at the end of the tunnel. I see that this is going to be possible. There's going to be a lot of hard work to get there, but um, we've got a great year lined up ahead of us here, um, with these events being successful. Uh, and you know, ultimately, we want to craft the most amazing, memorable experiences for people. And uh, we know we're going to be able to do that. We're launching an NFT project here. That's gonna. This is a super alpha leak here for people <laughs> listening. We're we're uh, we're going to launch an NFT project in April that is going to have a lot of really cool utilities. Aside from dope art on a PFP project, uh, anybody who holds it is going to be able to mint a a free skin to use in our game that we're building in the sandbox, Non-Fun City. So, you know, you buy the PFP. It's awesome art. You get to represent the the Non-Fun crew and your profile, but you get to download this free skin to play in Non-Fun City. Anybody can play in the sandbox. You don't need a a Non-Fun friend. They'll be called... But um, with it, you'll be able to access um, areas of the game you couldn't access otherwise. Also, the, the NFT will be a passive token yielder. So every day you'll passively yield 10 tokens, which will be redeemable throughout our ecosystem, both in our game and on our merch and at our events. Also associated with these PFPs is going to be a personality type. So we're going to have five different personality types. And if you hold... A non fun friend that has that specific personality type, you're uh, automatically listed to be able to register for certain activities at the event before other people. So, say you've got an adventurer personality on your non fun friend, uh, there's going to be an excursion at landevent.live where we're going to take people out to somewhere, maybe in Red Rocks Canyon or um, the somewhere out there in the desert you know in las vegas and do something fun we'll go climbing we'll go hiking or rafting or something adventurous you know and in order to register for those 30 spots uh, it's going to help if you hold an adventurous non-fun friend and they have that personality type because that's how you get the early registrations and that's, that's what's so
0: important for these nfts is that and i guess the crypto and blockchain space in general is, is to kind of bridge the gap between and, and you know this already else i was a company that does this like Combine the real life experience with the
1: digital piece. Right. Right. And that's that's the, the heart of the company is what we're trying to do here is to as seamlessly as possible bridge people's virtual experience in our digital lives with, um, with, <clears throat> with I guess I was going to say real life. But I mean, at this point, you know, I don't think that that phrase is even appropriately applied. Like it is real life right now. It we is. are connected in real life, even though we're looking at each other through cameras. Right. 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 It's true. Redefining real life or, or, right. or at least yeah. expanding the definition. That's right. Yeah,
0: I, I think, you know, you said something earlier about, you know, being able to, to see light in the tunnel. I think that's, that's so important to I If you take this, I guess, from, and I'm no psychologist. And I think I only took like half of one class and maybe I failed it, but the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, like once you have some of those, those foundational things out of the way, you have the ability to like focus all of your available, like creative force and your, your will, your, your willpower into the thing that, that drives you that, that gives you a sense of, of well-being and purpose.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's it. Uh we're we are definitely driven. We've got um I actually, you know, I'm thinking like um we've got to hire some more people here actually. We just hired event planners, experienced architects, some imagineers. We we're still looking for another community manager, somebody to Really kick some butt on our, our social medias with us and help us expand that reach. We're actually looking for an esports specialist also to help us organize our, our tournaments and to start thinking about how we can um, more uh, create a, a more robust esports reach and platform within our community. So uh, there's there's a lot in the future here. Yeah. Well, and and that reminded me I meant
0: to introduce you to Sebastian uh, Sebastian Burton. Who is the co host of the, the other podcast that I have cool. not done for, for three months? But uh, he's been in esports for 15 years. And right. he was actually on one of the first reality TV shows for competitive gaming here in the company, Bird company in the country. Huh. Um, so he played Dead or Alive and he played Madden. He's nationally ranked on both of those. Actually, his music, he's a rapper as well. His music is featured in the soundtrack for Dead or Alive 5. Cool. Yeah. So right on. He's, he's brilliant. And I'll connect you with him offline. One of the things that you helped me understand in our last conversation was the potential for play to earn, or play and earn, or, or I don't know what we're calling it these days. It seems like <laughs> just like the ICO became the the ITO, IEO, IDO. <laughs> it's all these letters. Like this this acronym keeps changing. Yeah. Uh, it, it, we and I think we had that conversation after the podcast, so I think it was a missed opportunity. I, I would I would appreciate and, and I think I it would be helpful for everyone else who's listening, especially if they're not endemic to the space. You to just kind of recap that conversation about like the potential to, as the end user for why play to
1: earn and blockchain gaming is so transformative. Sure, yeah. I think a little bit of, of background first for the, the non-natives to the space is, is useful. But the whole idea of, of play to earn or play and earn is that people can play games and earn earn cryptocurrency for engaging in the game, for, for playing it, for beating it, for it just being part of the community even. So um, what that does is it totally flips traditional gaming and that, that whole paradigm on its head because people are spending billions and billions of dollars a year buying these in-game assets And they don't even own them. I mean, it's just a thing on a screen that you only get to use in that game in that closed, confined ecosystem, and it holds no real world value. Now, imagine if that skin you bought for whatever your favorite game is, is something that you actually owned. It was an NFT that had real world value that you could sell when you're done with it, um, that you can use to earn real currency in the game with, if those tokens you were earning in the game, those in-game tokens were actually tokens that you can take to an exchange and a market and sell them for your whatever your fiat currency of choice is. Um, that's, that's what play-to-earn gaming is. Um, and, you know, what's what Marcus was alluding to is there is that there's this, this debate, this struggle within the, the community to, uh, what do we even call this? Do we call it play-to-earn? Uh, Because that means that you're just playing to earn and it takes the fun out of it. I guess what the other people's arguments is, is, you know, you're not just playing to earn. This isn't just it's not meant to supplement a job uh, is the argument, I think, over there. Uh, So those people would say, let's call it play and earn where you, you know, you're playing because you love it and you want to have fun with this game, but you're also earning something. Uh, my take on that whole debate is like who really freaking cares what we call it. You know, it's like we all love playing games. It's like it's our human nature to play. You know, it's how we learn. It's how we grow. It's how we relax. It's it's nature. And we all love to earn. I mean, you know, like everybody wants to uh, build that foundation of their Maslow's triangle. Right. And in order yeah. to do that, we need some uh, we need money. <laughs> I mean, yeah. whether or not that's right or not, or whether or not money is the root of all evil or whatever your take is on money. We all want to play and we all want to earn.
2: <laughs> so I don't
1: care if we're playing to earn, if we're playing end earning. Ultimately, this is just awesome that we even have this opportunity. So Maybe, maybe we're we're earning while playing. That, that, that doesn't have any numbers in it. <laughs> yeah, I kind of like play X earn at this point. I'm, I'm not sure. Like, I don't want to get on anybody's bad side. You got to market it right and say it right. So I don't know. Maybe play X earn. right. <laughs> That's super
0: cool. Uh what, where do you go to scout like the next Axie Affinity? And I, I work as a strategic partnerships lead sure. uh, and, and I'm scouting games for the for the upcoming IDO launch. Uh and, and then before you answer, let me do some some housekeeping stuff. Again, that this this podcast is powered by Gamify, the IDO launchpad for everything gamified. Uh we just finished up our NFT sale. our NFTs similar to yours are more than just, you know, images that ours are animated 3D objects and the access access keys so that you can get into ahead of the whitelist, skip the whitelist, um, and or immediate access to the whitelist. And we're looking for great games. I uh, you know I'm having several awesome conversations with teams who are building really cool projects, but I'm always on the hunt for like the next cool thing. So
1: um, where do you find games that that are exciting to you? Yeah, that's a great question. Um... There are a number of places where you can go search through games at this point. Um, you know, you could go through like CoinGecko, DappRadar, PlayToEarn.com, all of these organize um, data in different ways to look at these games. But I think the greatest for me is, you know, I'm also the strategic marketing manager at Blockchain Space and it's blockchainspace.asia and they actually have the world's largest guild level data sets by far. They're the, the largest data aggregators in the space. And um, so, you know, look, I'm lucky to be part of that team. And we've got a game innovations lab there, which is, you know, all day just playing games and, and looking at the data. And so, you know, I'm lucky to get that, that information from there. But I also I'll, I'll watch. That's not a bad the, job, by the way. Yeah, right. I mean, that's playing to earn. Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there it, is. there it is. Um, But I, I also watch some of the best. I mean, we know like Yield Guild Games is out there. They're actively. Vetting the best games, I, I've got a lot of conviction in what they're doing. Uh, you know, I know their core team is is vetting these games properly, not just from the game side, but from the economics and the sustain, you know, economic sustainability side. Um, so, you know, I, I watch closely the the organizations I've put, you know, some conviction in, like Yield Guild. There's also some really, uh, you know, nobody wrong. I was I was about to say amazing venture capitalists out there, but. But <laughs> what, what I mean to say by that is it's, it's um, you know, their, their level of due diligence is exemplary. And, you know, to follow the money in that sense is, is also uh, advisable. No, I, I agree.
0: I, I, I don't have a lot of great experience with venture capital over the last 10 years, and, and I'm probably actually anti venture capital, um, <laughs> which is ironically, I'm working in, in kind of a VC, at least some partial VC funding capacity through this platform. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but what I, I do agree with you that they have a requirement part of the due diligence process to like vet these companies that they invest in mm-hmm. so I, in theory well that's not always true there's a halo effect and some people just kind of party around once someone else has done the vetting they just you know co-sign even if they weren't going to initially I, I have seen individuals actually. I, there's, this is actually a total aside there's this one really cool company that I think has a, an amazing play to earn opportunity in it but it's a physical racing experience. Um, and and this gentleman has been trying to go to a bunch of early stage venture capitalists. And they're all like, yeah, you have this great idea. We would love to support you after you get your lead investor. So it's like they yeah. don't want to go do the due diligence. But if someone else does the due diligence and then writes the check, they are happy to just blindly write a check to the
1: crown. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's like a blindly writes thing so much as people are just scared to be the first. I'm yeah. sure there's some element of research that goes into whoever the second and third people are.
0: Yeah, maybe maybe that, that's not fair, but I, I've heard someone else who was <laughs> from a a company that raised uh, over $100 million. They, they refer to their interaction with venture capitalists as them you know,
1: basically blindly writing checks. Jeez. So yeah. I guess six of one half a dozen the other. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's um yeah it's hard it's scary to be the first in anything right yeah yeah for sure and then you you also you
0: know explain very well the the definition of guilt in the contemporary uh context Uh, and and so if you don't mind doing that again first from the traditional and then the contemporary
1: sure um so like, you you,
0: you, use i don't know like world of warcraft for example
1: Yep, absolutely. So, you know, in in World of Warcraft, right, you've got guilds that are um, basically groups of players that meet each other online, whether it's through the gaming ecosystem or elsewhere. And and they group together for a number of reasons, right? You started thinking about what the psychological motivators are. I think last time we said, you know, there's just this human tendency to kind of I don't know, gang up and find community and camaraderie. And like, we have this just natural push towards that. So um, we seek that, that community and, um, and then we join together to kind of win. It's the same thing that's that drives people to be fans of their local sports team. You know, there's this Mm -hmm. tribalism is the word I was looking for, you know, Uh, I think that's right. And then, Um, You know, we all want to be associated with the winners. We want to put those call tags after our names, you know, like uh, Marcus Esports Howard, you know, forward slash whatever my guild is, you know. Uh, (laughs) Right, right. And so, um, you know, that helps in the traditional gaming world because then these guilds can uh, kind of show off that they've got the best skills, whether it's in a tournament setting or just in in their natural play setting, right? Um, When that translates to a play to earn or a play X earn uh, a paradigm, what you're looking at is, is putting money involved in the picture too. So it's kind of like taking that whole tribalism and amplifying it to another level, because now there's more than just pride and glory and game on the line, but there's like, there's money on the line too, you know? Yeah. Uh, and that's, I think pulls people together to, it adds another, uh, another stick in the community So when we're thinking about the communities, the the world of Warcraft, there's communities that these guilds form and they might interact with each other and they have some degree of community, whether or not they're meeting in real life or like training together for tournaments. I don't know. Some of them do. I I think that that is that element of community in guilds, though, is solidified when you add uh, a financial element to it, because then we start to think of ourselves as functioning like like a family that's trying to make ends meet or a company that's trying to stay in the black, and not go in the red, and uh, and so you know we start working together inherently a bit more. So, anyways, that's basically what a, a guild is. Is uh, I don't know a gamer gang that uh, is out there for the glory, for the game, and if there's a play-to-earn element involved, also to to get that money, to stack that loot, win those prizes, and. You know, accrue as many in-game assets as you can, and yeah, I don't know. Did that did that hit it? Yeah, I think you, you covered everything from the previous conversation, and, and I'm interested to
0: see, especially from an esports perspective. You know, Marcus Esports Howard, uh, where where that's going to evolve the competitive landscape into the future. Because right now we have these esports teams that are able to kind of attract the best players because they raise either a bunch of venture capital yep. that that uh, soapbox that I won't get back on, or or debt, uh, and then use that 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 war chest to go basically pay six or seven figures for the top players. Yep. Uh, while, conversely, you have organizations like Epic Games who had, I don't know, I want to say like $100 million like eSports tournament prize pool. I want to say that was eight, 2018. And then 2019, they dropped it down to, I want to say, $20 million. And then in 2020, I don't know if you remember that Epic Games and Apple got into that legal battle about Fortnite and in-game payments, mm-hmm. which ironically is virtual currencies, play to earn. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: They want other people to play while they earn. Um, yep. And in, in I think it's deposition, is the, the technical legal term, they had to share their EBITDA filings, their the tax filings from 2019. And then in 2019, while they made a profit, they had a $154 million loss that they labeled overestimated uh, esports opportunity. So uh, I, I say all that to say that they put $154 million into tournaments and it didn't generate any return for them, much less than a return. Yet V-Bucks exist within the Fortnite ecosystem, mm-hmm. right? So if they were to able to turn it into a cryptocurrency in some way that might have have potentially solved that problem where people will just naturally create their own guilds and then they don't have to put extra money in. It's just like, play the existing game, earn the existing currency, and then make tournaments around that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I imagine there's conversations very similar to, you know, along the thought lines that we are having right now in boardrooms for every major game and major esports organization. And if they're not having these conversations and considering these things, man, they're, they're not going to make it, you know what I mean? Even if they decide not to do it, like yeah, got to at least have this conversation, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's the future of, of gaming. Like
1: you said, you know,
0: I, and that's what I recognized in 2016. Like I said, I, I bought my first half of crypto in 2013. I'm not a crypto millionaire. I lost it all uh, in CEX through maintenance fees because I, I held Dogecoin of all things and now, which has now been relisted. I, I'm thinking about emailing them, asking them to get my money back since they, they charged me for a coin that they are now profiting off of because they were going to delist it. side story. Uh, but I I recognize that it's the op- this transformative opportunity of like you said like owning digital assets and and having the the transferability the interoperability and and really just kind of evolving the entire gaming experience to the next level. I think that's what we're looking at now the early days of it.
1: Yep, couldn't agree more. And you know, the gaming is just the start. Uh, what what really fascinates me here is that uh, I see this as so so much more than gaming. Um, this is just the the lowest hanging fruit. It's the the easiest easiest way for us to begin to explore what the metaverse has to offer, what's uh, what, what Web three has to offer, because it's already positioned to do it. Like we've already got these gaming ecosystems in place. Gamers already want to more immersive experiences, Um, you know, there's already a guild system in place where we're looking to build these communities. But the fact of the matter is the rest of the world is pretty well primed for uh, metaverse expansion as well. You know, there's people reluctant and resistant to NFTs and to crypto at this point. But, you know, we all watch those Super Bowl commercials. We've all seen the tides change over the last year every day there's more banks and more big companies getting into the space. And, uh, this is hundred percent, not just the future of gaming. It's <clears throat> this is the future of jobs. It's the future of, of going to school right now. You and I are looking at each other on two dimensional screens. Like, why don't I have my VR headset on right now? Like you and I could right. probably shake hands, you know? Right. right. Uh, and we're not too far from that. And we're not too far from people listening to podcasts in a three-dimensional space you know like sitting here amongst us right right there could be a group of people hanging out around us right now engaging us with questions you know yeah yeah and this is what i see i don't see zoom being the future of school for for students um i I see virtual classrooms in the future Uh, i see virtual offices i think this is just the start yeah, no, I agree
0: with you. And, and again, 2016, I, I I had this kind of clear as the epiphany that that video games are going to be the quickest on ramp, like you said, low hanging fruit for blockchain and crypto adoption to go mainstream. But I I, I had not considered what you just suggested, which I, I've always kind of thought. Just to put the two pieces together, is that gaming will become ubiquitous with with our personal and business lives across the board, like everything, like you said, from like education to to business, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you know, I actually believe that just like social media has transformed over the last 20 years to become like part and parcel of our personal and business lives. You know, every brand has five or six social media platforms. That wasn't the case 20 years ago. I think you'll see in the next 20 years, video games being used to reinforce and enhance company culture and use as a, a, an authentic, organic, uh, user acquisition and community engagement uh, resource. So if that's the case, if you have that level of ubiquity with gaming in society, and and kind of crypto is riding the coattails of, of gaming, then naturally that's that's how it's going to get into all these other segments of our, our lived experience.
1: Absolutely, we're seeing it already. I keep thinking back to that article that's going around on on Twitter now from like 2002, where the internet uh, internet was just a passing fad. Like millions are signing off, and um, you know that. I, I think that's kind of where we are right now. It's like every day you see articles about many, many, many more millions of dollars getting poured into this space, but at the same time, you know, the next article in your feed is like, um, you know, the end of crypto. <laughs> like we're all doomed. <laughs> every year for the last thirteen years, while Bitcoin has
0: had uh, year-over-year gains, every yeah. time it dips in the, end of, the end of Bitcoin, I, yeah. I wonder: Do you think that you would have had it as much? success with securing um, a, a casino partner if it wasn't the Luxor because they have the HyperX arena?
1: Oh, no, I, I don't. I mean, we we lean towards HyperX. Uh, we lean towards Luxor because HyperX was right there. Um, mm-hmm. I think, you know, anybody we approached would have been happy to have us. Is that what you mean? Like, would we? Yeah, um, yeah. But let, me, let me see if I can ask you differently <laughs> because I've got the kids here
0: in the background throwing off my entire train of thought. Oh, <laughs> what what i i want to maybe ask differently is does the fact that the hyperx arena exists in that community where people have an understanding of gaming and esports make it easier to then have a conversation about blockchain crypto events that was the way i was trying to, to phrase it
1: i don't know i have um i don't know i haven't really thought about that like that um i will say that you know dealing with the folks at hyperx it doesn't seem like they they've had much play to earn experience there. Like they've not had games like this come through there before really actually infinity is the first major play to earn game that has any success. And really at this point, it's like it's the only like one that's just killing it right now. Like with 2 million plus daily active users, there are a few other functioning games. Um, not really too many. There's thousands that are being made right now. Um, you know, hundreds of them are already selling their assets to try and further fund their developments, which, you know, if you find the right game is great early stage investment opportunities to start buying those assets or those tokens for games that aren't even live yet. If you pick the winner, if you pick the next Axie Infinity, that's huge. Um, and that's, great. that's how this really opens up opportunities for those end users. Like you were asking before, you know, like how does play to earn affect the end user and how is it changing things? It's like, All of a sudden, not only can we play these games and earn in them, but there's investment opportunities in areas that we feel, uh, you know, informed in. Like you have to be informed in an area in order to make a wise investment decision. So if as a gamer you have in front of you not just a playing and an earning opportunity in the game, but also, hey, this game looks like it's really promising. I know that the developers were also involved in this other game that I'm into, you know. And they wrote great contracts. They built a great community. And look, now they're funded by these other angels who built this other game that I really like. You know, I, I should look into this. And you start buying some in-game assets. And then you know, you weren't an investor before, but all of a sudden you're you're buying these in-game assets as investments for hope, just holding them to accrue value over time. Now, they, this is not financial advice. Is my disclaimer all the time, but but um, you know. But it's, no, uh, I, I, I I agree you with you. That. None <laughs> of this is
0: is financial advice, and you should always do your own resource resource sure. research. But I, I think that's that's uh, a powerful statement that you just made. That potentially play to earn can create like the next generation of investors. Now, I think having maybe a similar, if not greater, impact on on the accessibility of investing that you've seen from platforms like like Robinhood, right? That made mm-hmm. stock investing just Accessible to the average person. I, I don't use Robinhood, but I know a lot of people who do. And you're right; you need to have an understanding of, of the domain if you want to make like wise choices for how you invest your money. So potentially, and we have three billion gamers worldwide. It would be great to see three billion investors, especially in in communities that are globally uh, economically disadvantaged. So if you think about again you know, the Philippines and, and portions of Africa, et cetera, et cetera, you know, like, we're in we're able to financially empower those communities in in ways that have never existed in this history of of the world.
1: Yep. Uh, A lot of these, these uh, gaming guilds that are forming around the play to earn sector are um, doing it in a, with different motivators than traditional gaming guilds. Traditional gaming guilds were formed around either the game and the love of the game, or the fact that there's money to be made in these big tournaments, you know, um, part of the, the motivator for the play to earn space and the development of guilds is that we can empower players, we can empower full communities of people. There's an Axie, Axie town where basically the whole town is played. At, there's a play to earn documentary that's called play to earn the documentary. It's about Axie Infinity. And there's a whole town in the Philippines that's been empowered by uh, Axie Infinity. There was there was a time at the end of last year when scholars is what we call them you know like you can buy these assets say I buy you know you need three axes to play Axie Infinity say I buy three hundred of them that means I can have one hundred scholars or other people who I empower to lend my assets to and then they get a, a big percentage of whatever the crypto that they manage to grind using those assets right so they earn these tokens and they split them between the owner of the assets and the scholar and maybe an investor who threw in some money also gets a cut. But um, the point is, at the end of last year, the you know, Axie Infinity scholars were being targeted in some countries and, and robbed because they were making five, six times the the minimum wage. Like They were seen as like rich people because they were playing a video game. Uh, since then, the value of some of these Axie assets has gone down because of, you know, the larger, broader market of, of just cryptocurrency right now, which isn't even just crypto. I mean, really, it's being influenced by the broader economic markets of the whole globe, and like war in Russia, and like you know, crashing stock markets, and all of that jazz. But mm-hmm. you know, uh, I don't know. I kind of just went off on a tangent there. But those, no, I think you, that, you, 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 said you said it perfectly. I think but these know, these guilds we'll now it. are being motivated by a different thing. It's like we can target scholars in India, in the Philippines, and we can make sure that there's money flowing into communities that deserve it. So. There's a there's a stronger sense of ethics that's driving things than there was previously, is my point.
0: Excellent. Excellent. Well, we we are close to time here. So I want to thank you again for your time the second time. Uh if you want to plug anything, uh, you know, promote shamelessly promote whatever it is you are working on or things coming up, and you have the event coming up in May, now is definitely the time to do it.
1: Yeah, that's it. AxieRetreat.com is in May. Um Limited number of tickets. They're all NFTs. Anybody who gets there is going to be able to register for the land tournament. So you think of that. There's going to be about twenty thousand dollars in prizes. About eight hundred people who can register. Um, There's going to be a lot of winners just for being there. Uh, We've reserved a big block of rooms with the hotel. One hundred and fifty of them. Out of those, six of them are going going to be randomly selected to get a free stay in Vegas. So you know, buy your tickets, book your rooms through us at the Luxor you may end up with free lodging register in the tournament you may win some big bucks uh you can also register in the the pre qualifying tournaments at axiretreat.com and you know battle it out through the online tournaments and you might get to go for uh the championship in Vegas uh, after be- that after that is landevent.live Woo! check it out that's going to be, be, be time it. for me to
0: uh to download the Finney on my phone and and become a scholar I- <laughs> Sounds like this is something I need to spend more time on, as if I had
1: more time. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm happy to have any conversations with you offline. We should uh we should connect somewhere so that we have uh more direct contact with each other.
0: I'd love to stay De- in touch. Definitely, definitely. And as you continue to work on these projects, if you see anything that, that would be a great fit for the platform, let's definitely keep the lines communication open. Thanks again for your time. One more quick housekeeping item. Um, as we talk about play to earn. And and do your own research. Obviously, it's not financial advice, but Gamify does have its own token. GMI token staking is available now on the site. So you can earn cool. up to 225% APY. So that's that's you know the return on your investment over I think a 12-month period or however it's 30, 60, 90 day staking. I'm gonna get the math wrong. So definitely go to the website www.gamify.gg to learn more. <laughs> this has been episode the re-recording of episode 14 of the Gamify Everything podcast. Thank you, Bobby, for joining, and good night, friends. GM.